ultrasound of our soon-to-be granddaughter. Now, the 4D ultrasound is really an extraordinary kind of uh, experience because it shows the child's face in three dimensions, and in order to make the fourth dimension, you've got to add something else, which is the sound of the heartbeat. So we got to see in 3D our grandchild's face that we won't be able to see in person, perhaps for 10 weeks or so, but it won't be long. It won't be long, and she's beautiful. I say that because my daughter is beautiful, and I'm sure that my granddaughter, who I saw yesterday, will be beautiful too, and there's something about family, about this sharing of DNA, about this gathering at Thanksgiving and Christmas. There's something about being a part of a family, but there's more than one kind of family, There is the family that is born of flesh, of human will, and then there's this family that is created by God. And listen, dear friends. The family that is created by God speaks every language in which Christianity appears, has every tone of skin that this world offers to us. The family of God has has men and women and children around the world. Around the world and not only those who are living, those who have gone on to be a part of this great cloud of witnesses. Those who have gone on to be a part of the church universal. Those who have gone on are a part of the family of God who are born not of blood or the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but who are born of God. And as much as I love my daughter and my granddaughter-to-be, God loves every person of faith from the moment of the apostles through every person whose name has been lost to history who loved the Lord and loved their neighbors God loves his family now John talks about this in 1st John John talks about this in the gospel but John's not the only one who is concerned with this family of God Paul Paul reminds us that we didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we have received a spirit of adoption, that is, God has brought us into His family. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the very Spirit of God bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children of God, then we are heirs heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ if in fact we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. When is the last time you prayed? I hope you can say sometime in the last few hours or the last few days. How did you begin that prayer? There's a good chance that you began that prayer by saying, Father, dear Father, if you did, Paul says that is God's spirit in you. And whether you feel like a child of God or not, 
whether you feel that things are going your way, and by golly, things have not necessarily gone our way as a society, as a people, as a world in 2020. But the Spirit of God testifies with our spirit that we are heirs, children. We are the Father's children. Right now. Right here. When you pray and you say, Our Father who art in heaven, you are, you are praying with a faith that God your Father has adopted you into His family. You are praying in a way that demonstrates that the Spirit of God within you brings you together with the people of God from the apostles to those in the Middle Ages who had faith to those who on the other side of the world are going to bed now after having been to church on All Saints Day. You are saying, I am a part of the family of God. Right now, you're a part of God's family. Today, you are invited to the table, even if the table looks a little different than it usually does. You are a part of the family of God. You are God's children here and now. But there's a mystery. There's a mystery about what we shall be. Listen again to John in his letter. What we will be has not yet been revealed. But we do know this. When He is revealed, we will be like Him. For we will see Him as He is. Now, I don't know if any of you received this. You probably heard about it on the news. These seed packets that were just sent randomly from China. We got some in Kentucky. My family didn't get any. They got them in Utah. In fact, I think most of the states in the United States had, had many different instances of random seeds being sent from China. And some people called, you know, the USDA and said, what, what do we do with the seeds that we didn't order but we got from China? And the USDA said, under no circumstances plant them. Because, of course, there are bad actors who might want some sort of invasive species to overrun the forests in the United States. And so there's no guarantee that these seeds were not sent by bad actors. Well, some people sent the seeds to the USDA where they burned them. But other people got these packets of seeds and thought, hmm, I wonder what these are. <laughs> and they went out and planted them in their backyards or in their gardens and later on, they started seeing news reports about seeds that were randomly coming and thought, well, I got some of those and I planted them. And so they called the USDA who came and got the plants that were growing and burned them just in case they were of an invasive species of some kind. My point is it's not really clear from the seed what is going to come out of it? Now, those of us who grew up around a farm or those of us who had, who had gardens, oh, by the way, these, these seeds have been identified now, lots of them, 
and they're not as much of a mystery as many thought. They were mustard and cabbage and morning glory and herbs. And by the way, it doesn't seem that bad actors sent the seeds out. It seems this was a ploy to get positive reviews for Amazon so that somebody could sell 10,000 of an item and get 10,000 positive reviews and then use that as a leveraging tool to get more people to buy. But by the way, I just want to point out that those of us who have grown up on farms or grown up with gardens, it's not really a surprise to us, but it should be. It should be a surprise that you take something that looks like this, tiny and yellow and small, and you put it in the ground. And when you put it in the ground and wait a little while, it turns into something that looks like this. A cornfield. Who would have thought, if you hadn't grown up with it, if you hadn't been a part of farming, if you hadn't seen, who would have thought that a small yellow seed planted in the ground would multiply its weight, its height, and become a tall green stalk that you don't want to walk through a bunch of with short sleeves. Cut you all up. Who would think as they hold an acorn, this small, small thing, unless you've got a bunch of oak trees in your yard, unless you're using a riding mower or a zero-turn mower and flinging them around every direction known to man. Who would think that something that looks like this, that is, that is tiny and can be held in your hand, can become something like this. That it holds something far grander than can ever be imagined. When all the seed packets started showing up, it wasn't immediately obvious what they were. What they were was a mystery because there are all kinds of seeds and you can't just look at a seed and see what's going to happen with it. You have to plant it and you have to wait and you have to have patience. You have to figure out what it is that's been planted. John says this, We are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When He is revealed, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. Now, when Paul is talking about this, he gets into this whole idea of seeds. In the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, if you ever want to think about the theology, the Christian theology of resurrection, go to 1 Corinthians 15. But Here's where Paul starts talking in terms of seeds. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, what is planted in the ground is perishable, but something else comes up out of that. Just like the stalk of corn comes out of the ground when the seed is planted, what is raised is imperishable. What is sown is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. 
It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, Paul says, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, the man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. There's a mystery in the unfolding of our lives. And there is a mystery to life after life. But in the words of John, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. In the words of Paul, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What is planted in the earth, that seed, becomes something more amazing, something more remarkable, something more wonderful than we can ever imagine. There's a mystery in this. There's a mystery in the unfolding of life. So what does this call for? This mystery that whatever it is that we lay down, whatever it is that we plant, there's something that's going to grow up from it. And we plant all kinds of things, metaphorically speaking. There are a lot of people who are planted with arthritis. They'll be raised up whole and healthy. There are a lot of people who are planted, who have lost their memory or their health, but by God's grace, the resurrection to call them healthy would be the understatement of the year. What does all this call for? This idea that we plant and are raised. Listen again to John. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. Did you hear that? Let that sink in. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. The Scriptures call for us to seek purity, to seek holiness. The Scriptures call for us to walk in the way of wisdom, the path that leads to life, to enjoy salvation, to love God and to love others. We might describe this in many different ways. But we set out by grace and we set out by God's strength. And we have this hope that those who God has called, those who answer that call, will look to God and purify themselves in preparation for what God will do in them and for what God will do through them.
we look today at a table with many candles. Fourteen who have gone to be with the Lord. Fourteen who were planted corruptible and will be raised incorruptible. Who were planted perishable but will be raised imperishable. Those who we have laid to rest in weakness but will be raised in strength by the grace and the power of God. Dear Christians, right now, you are children of God. There is a mystery to this growing of the seed. I don't know that our minds can fully comprehend what God has in store for us as the perishable puts on imperishability, as the corruptible puts on incorruptibility. But we do know the saying will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O grave, is your sting? But thanks be to God who gives to us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. We give thanks for these lives represented before us. We remember that what we will be is not yet known, but God has called us. God has called us to purify ourselves even as He is pure. What's God calling you to? Sometimes God calls you to surrender something, to give up something that is keeping you from Him. Sometimes God calls you to start something, to do things that you weren't doing before. Sometimes God calls you to say, I'm sorry to the last person in the world you've wanted to talk to in the last nine years, but something about that brokenness has affected your relationship with God. God is calling you to purify yourself as He is pure. And He gives us the grace of this meal where He Himself in our presence offers Himself to us and gives us the strength to do what we could never, ever do alone. To be the people of God. To reflect the image of Christ. And to live joyfully. Full and whole and holy lives. On the night he offered himself up for us, Jesus took bread. Jesus took the cup. And as he did so, he gave to us the example of self-giving love. I believe we have the prayer of confession and uh, I would invite you to pray the prayer of confession um, if we have that. Let us pray together.
Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And dear people of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, God forgives us all. Amen and amen.